All right, welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio Podcast. Uh, this is going to be episode three, actually. It will be called four in some places in the audio, but what I did was swapped out uh, Randy in Houston, who's filmed The Lunar Wave as number three, with Jason Lindgren, who's going to do a reverse interview here. Uh, what I wanted to do was hold on to the Randy conversation because we're about to have a Lunar Wave roundtable with people who have filmed the Lunar Wave. And so I figured it would be great to run that kind of as the other one is released. Uh, and I'll make announcements where all that stuff's going to happen. Uh, what we're going to do here today is Jason Lindgren, who runs uh, Secrets of Saturn YouTube channel and has a band called Cult of Saturn that plays 60s-influenced uh, music, is going to do what I call a reverse interview. In other words, he's going to address me on my channel, uh, hoping to delve into some things that don't get asked all the time. So often when I'm interviewed, what we get is the same 10 or 15 questions. What I'd like to do today is really dig into the age of deception and try to draw a larger image for people of what we have kind of come to understand at this point, although there's a lot that we have, you know, left to learn. So having said that, let me mention my big supporter, Chris, at beambarns.com. Um, you can catch him at B-E-A-M-B-A-R-N-S.com. If you're listening to this on my website, you will see his uh, sticker and link down there. He makes prefab timber barns. Very cool. I'm actually looking at some to see if they'd work as an observatory. So check out Chris, and if you do, tell him Crow sent you. So let's jump in here with Jason Lindgren, and this is, I think it goes about two and a half hours. I'll be running the first hour for free on YouTube and the second hour and a half on my website for members, and I hope you'll join me there. So here we go. Welcome, Jason. Hey, it's great to be here with you, man. Right on, right on. So how are things down in Louisiana? Not bad. Beautiful. It's a gorgeous day out here today. It's 75. Yeah, Loving it. I'm kind of frustrated. Uh, I got up early because there was a uh, partial lunar eclipse that I wanted to film, and the chem planes were already at it uh, well before dawn and had blocked the entire sky off. So I talked with Randy in Houston because I know he was going to shoot, uh, and same thing for him. So from Rhode Island to Houston, Texas, seems like the chem planes were blocking the sky on the night of an eclipse, and this is typical. But anyhow, um, with without much further ado, I'm going to kick this over to you. Uh, I'm going to let you run the show and see if we can cover some things uh, about Crow that don't typically get covered. All right. Well, I'm going to start with the first obvious one. Who are you as far as why are we here together doing a podcast interview? What le And what led you to this point? Well, if you're asking me why I began the podcast, or more specifically why you and I are here, um, I, I covered why you and I are here now because I think you're the perfect person to kind of try to cover ground with me that doesn't get covered ad nauseum. As for the podcast... Um, that was just kind of so much interest came out of interviews that I had done, and it all started with the lunar wave. Uh, it seemed like the thing to do, and not only that, uh, free speech is really dying on the vine on a lot of social media. So we really don't have much choice but to get our own websites if we want to talk about anything we want to talk about. Yeah, I agree with that. Awesome. So <clears throat> obviously we're doing this because um, you've done a ton of interviews. And you feel that you get asked the same questions over and over again. So I'm guessing at this point there's something you, you want to convey to a larger audience. That's why you're doing your own podcast and you want to get on other topics. Um, what else are you interested in as far as, I mean, obviously you got known for the lunar wave. But uh, what are the topics as far as things that uh, revolve around the subjects that you and I are both interested in, the esoteric sort of thing? Uh, just like you said, the campaigns. All this sort of thing. What is it else you, you want to get out there? Well, it, you know, ev everything is kind of tied to the same thread here, in my view. Uh, the lunar wave, the chem planes, all of it. Uh, we're living in a system of deception. And we have been so inured by the system that we've been brought up in. From cradle to grave, we're in this system. That it's a bit like the Stockholm system where, you know, people are prisoners and they get to a point where they prefer the cage to freedom because all they've ever known is the cage. Well, we find ourselves in the modern age is in the cage. There is a complete kind of derisive system, control bent system that has been put in place around every facet of society. And that's really the base of 
what I'd like to address because so many people are becoming aware that things aren't quite right. And while Lunar Wave plays into this, because I've said in many interviews, uh, the deception that we see doesn't stop at a state or a country. It goes as far as you can see, even when you're looking through a telescope. So there, man, I'll kick it back over to you. That's that's kind of the best I can go at that question, I guess. <laughs> um, well, obviously, the Lunar Wave is what you're known for. But you weren't looking for it. You discovered that by accident on some uh, many hours of footage that you had been doing of the moon at the time. What were you doing that uh, led you to that accidental discovery? So on May 7th in 2012, uh, I was viewing a supermoon and we saw a bunch of triangular objects in formation for many hours as the moon moved through the sky from our point of view. So what I was doing the night uh, in September of 2012 was just running a camera because I had become aware that there were things going on that we weren't being told about. And it was absolutely by accident that the 2012, the best footage we have of the lunar wave was captured. Not only was it totally by accident, but the camera pan, which ended up proving so much, was uncharacteristic for how I filmed the moon, even at that time. And I did not notice the wave start as I panned the camera below the moon. And when I panned back up on the moon and the wave caught up to the camera, that was the first time I saw it. And I did glance up. And of course, at the time, I thought this has to be equipment failure. But yeah, it was absolutely by accident. And the reason I was filming was because I was becoming aware that this thing I'd been looking at since the 90s through a telescope, things were going on that we weren't being told about. Now, the, the lunar wave has never been witnessed by anyone with the naked eye. Is that correct? Well, that's a tough one. We do have reports, but, you know, it's just reports. I've had a number of reports from South Africa, from Ohio, from, I don't know, quite a number of places. I would guess six, seven, eight places. People have claimed that they've had binoculars or been laying down by their pool, as was the case in Africa. Um, and they claim they saw something. The only issue with this is that you really have to have some great eyes to see the lunar wave. Um, most people in this day and age, you know, if you're older than maybe 25 or 30, um, I'd be surprised if you had the vision required to see that and be able to focus on it well enough to understand that something's going on. It's not just your eyes. Uh, the point I would make is with the 2012 footage and at least one other that I filmed, if you had just dynamite eagle eye vision and you were looking at the moon, you could see it. I am certain you could see it. The problem would be that it happened so quickly. It would be one of those things where you would be thinking, well, was that just my eyes or did that really happen? So um, I don't know if I address that directly. Well, the reason why I ask that question is, is, is the uh, lunar wave a phenomenon of the digital equipment interacting with the light it's perceiving, or is it a, a true physical phenomena that the human eye would indeed perceive it? That's kind of what I was getting at. So the fact that people are reporting seeing it, even though we can't really prove that, uh, makes me think that it's not just a uh, an equipment thing. Well, no, and that's, you know, I alluded to the camera pan in the first capture in 2012. Um, that camera pan actually proved from the onset uh, that equipment was excuse me, playing no role. Uh, and the reason we know this, there's actually a few reasons we know this now, but the reason we know it from the camera pan is because what happens is uh, I'm just kind of panning around the moon and I pan the telescope's view below the moon and the wave starts. At the time, I didn't notice it and I panned back up and centered on the moon and the wave went out of frame. The wave catches up to the camera pan and comes back into frame. And that has always been bulletproof evidence that equipment plays no role in this. But there are other reasons um, that have come to light. Um, I don't know, six months or a year later, we found energy pulses uh, in the footage when we were looking at it on a big 60-some inch monitor. And when I ran filters, you can clearly see that there are energy pulses and curving lines radiating in the lower left limb of the moon as the wave begins at the bottom. And sometime after we had figured out that the lunar wave was a very interesting thing that had been filmed, a video engineer demonstrated that with the 2012 and one other piece of footage, there's enough ambient light because it was shot at eight something in the evening in September um, that he could manipulate gamma and add noise and demonstrate that the wave is not crossing the video frame. Right. And, and that has uh, been shown in the other footage that people have uh, filmed as well. 
and and obviously that's also good proof because they're in different locations using different equipment at different times. Right, and I always mess this up uh, in in interviews, and people have just redone the count. We are either at eight or nine people who have filmed the wave eighteen times. Um, this is not about equipment; it just isn't. Uh, what it is uh, can be debated, I suppose, to you know ad nauseum at this point, because the problem becomes that with the footage alone, you're not going to get the kind of mental satisfaction answer that you want, but when you combine the 2012 footage and some of the best captures with all the ancillary research you can do on things we know about the moon to include NASA's roles in Apollo and all that, you do begin to get a picture of what the moon is. And as I have said so many times now, in my view, the moon is not a rock in space. It emits its own light, and I don't believe anyone could stand on it even if they had the ability to get there. Well, I think it's safe to say that the initial conclusions based off of the observations that have been made about the lunar wave is that things in this world and in the sky are not as they would appear to be. Why? Well, let's, let, let's go with that. Like, well, okay, so what do, we, what do we think is going on here? Why? Well, I, I think that right out of the gate for the people who have stopped kind of swallowing the party line that we are handed throughout our lives and begin to examine things for themselves – they realize that the space agencies of this world are in collusion and they are all committing fraud. China's doing it right now by claiming they're on the moon. They're not on the moon. They don't have anything on the moon. In my view, nothing goes above what we call low Earth orbit, including machines. Um, having said this, we have proven beyond the shadow of doubt that things like Apollo missions, landing on the moon, these things are fraud. We're beginning to take apart rocket launches to demonstrate that there is no ground-based footage of a rocket going into what we call space. And that's just ridiculous in an HD age where everything that can be filmed is filmed in high quality. What we have learned is that the people tasked with informing us about space or what we call space have lied from the onset to the point where it seems pretty apparent that their mission is to actually obscure your ability to understand what is above the blue sky you see. And when you come to this realization, a logical, rational person will come to understand that you can accept no definition that has been handed you, whether it was written in a textbook or handed to you through some NOVA program or National Geographic. It all has to be thrown out. Uh, because all we have received is lies, and there are very few things that we can look at now without poking holes in it. So the question I think you're getting at is, well, what are we looking at? And that is a problem. We're like babes in the wood right now. We understand that we've been lied to. We understand that the descriptions of even our world are in error, intentionally in error, uh, probably intentionally made to be an error to keep us under control and to keep us clueless about where we are in the scope of things. But at the end of the day, we have to work towards really redefining what this place we call Earth is, what it looks like, what the shape of it is, what space really is. And while if we look at these encoded memes that are so pervasive in all media, flaunted in our face daily, Constantly, we see this during false flag attacks where everything is encoded and, and information that is not obvious on the surface is being just thrust at you. If we look at these memes with regard to space, it appears that these memes are all directing us that space is water. For those who have studied religions around the world, Christianity and others, uh, there's references in religion to the waters being separated from the waters by the firmament, which again would make space a liquid-based thing. Whether or not this is true, we don't really have the ability to know yet, but we're working towards that. And when we come to understand that nothing goes above low Earth orbit, as far as we can tell, and that we have an improper description of space, we're going to have to be satisfied for now that we know a hell of a lot more than we did 10 years ago. Why do you think that uh, the population is being deceived? Like, why, why would they just not come out and, and discuss what the findings really are by – initially, it was predominantly the United States and, and, and the uh, Soviet Union at the time, but now other space agencies of other countries. <clears throat> why do you think that, that they're just not saying, okay, well, this is what we think it is? 
Well, I think at the base of it, the easy answer is control. Um, it's no different than a computer system. If you put bad data into a computer, you get bad data out. If we consider that there are human beings, lots of human beings on this world that have made decisions their entire li life based on erroneous information, what, what you begin to understand is there are a group of people who have good information. People with good information can easily control people making decisions with bad information. So if we want to go with the easy kind of basic answer that's probably not too far from wrong, there it is. Beyond that, uh, I think anyone who's kind of mildly aware of the systems that are put in place around us, like all the stuff to do with common law and the fact that your birth name is actually a corporation that was set up the day you were born, um, that common law is not even really practiced, that the United States is basically a subsidiary or franchise corporation of a larger corporation, and that things like the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and the law you think is enforced by the police you think are all a sham. Um, these things are all constructs and they're designed to do one thing, to have total control over a population. So when we consider that and come back to the questions you've asked me about space, I don't think that we have any reason at the base of that question to consider that it's more than anything more than you know being about control, absolute control. How far and deep do you think this deception goes then? Um, <clears throat> obviously, we're talking about the, the space agencies of the various nations of the, of the world. Do you think even people doing things like uh, Bigelow, like anyone who's doing things in, supposedly independently because they have the money to do so as a corporation, do you think that they have learned the truth about what space is and, and, and are then also keeping this silent? Yeah, it's, it's a bit like mainstream outlets. Any voice, any medium, any radio, any TV, any medium that has millions of listeners or followers or people by the millions who will get that information is playing by a set of rules. There is no other option at this point. Um, it's that simple. If you publish a book and it's going to go to the New York Times bestseller, you're playing by a set of rules. We have no way to know if the author of that book initially set out to tell us some important things and the editors got a hold of it and made it be what it is by the time we see it. We, we can't know these things, but what we can know is that what we are seeing, the end result of that publishing is by the rules of those who control and those who control are the people who are the richest among us. They have all the power. They have a hand in writing the rules. They have a hand in the banking of this world. They have a hand in everything. And historically, it seems that these are the very same people that we once called royal or kings or robber barons, the people who managed to amass just incredible fortunes, held all the power, had all the access to good information, made the laws, the dictates, controlled the masses. What we see is that back in the construct of kings and queens, if there ever was such a time, as time played forward, new methods were put in place to obscure that there were three people running a country or something like that or one family. And, you know, you see it in the fall of India when Britain pulls out and everyone's, oh, well, Britain doesn't control India anymore. Poppycock. You can see the, the influence never stopped being exerted over India with money, with laws, with any measure of things, even the people that were put in place. So what we see moving forward is these very same entities, royal families, secret societies, religious institutions who held all the power, just moved into the modern age, figuring out new ways to exert control so that they never lose the power and control and widen it to a point where it seems like the end game will be absolute, total, undisputed control. And how far back do you think this goes, This uh, <clears throat> these power brokers? Do you think this is going back into ancient times and, and they just sort of consolidated their power over the centuries? You know, that's a really tough question to go at because we can't accept history. Uh, many people have heard me say the average person probably can't see back in time much beyond a grandparent. A few of us are lucky to maybe have a great grandparent that we can see back through time in to confirm a very minute window of that period of time that you're trying to look at. And with the lies and deception at the level that we have unmasked at this point and knowing things like 
there was supposedly a man named Napoleon, and one of his big quotes was, history is a lie agreed upon. Well, whether or not there actually was a man named Napoleon, it's pretty clear that that quote, which is a famous quote, is put into textbooks for a reason. So we have to ask ourselves, is that quote there telling us something, or is it just words filling space that have no meaning? For my money, they're there to inform us of something. And this is one small, minute example, but the problem with the question you have asked me becomes is we really don't have any way to authenticate most of history beyond maybe, I don't know, 60, 70 years, maybe close to 100. And even that window only sees very narrow portions of what history is to the point where many in the alternative research communities are challenging the antiquity of even things like the pyramids. Um, it's been pretty well demonstrated to my satisfaction that Stonehenge was made in the 20th century. And so when we begin to know these things and we see the scope of the deception, it becomes very difficult at the point we find ourselves to answer questions like the one you just asked directly. I, I find it interesting that... Um we live in this digital age where everything is recorded. Uh, you know, everyone's walking around with, with a phone in their pocket that can record sound and, and video. It, I think it's safe to say that from this point on, someone 100 years from now will be able to kind of get a pretty accurate uh, understanding of what was going on at this point um, since, since this cell phone internet age uh, took a hold. Do you think that that's going to affect the way the controllers go about things because they they really won't be able to manipulate history as well as it, it seems they have been for all this time. Well, you see, that's a that's a really double-edged sword there. I mean, the, the short answer is, yeah, it's going to change things. But the long answer is not so inviting for people who want to see something positive come out of that question. And here's the reason. Right now, YouTube, which is Google, which is one of the biggest corporations on the planet, uh, owns video serving. That market is pretty much owned in mass by YouTube. There are a few other outlets, but they're playing the game if they're any one major. And what happens is, is we see the loss of freedom of speech. We see the copyrights. We see the channels being shut down. But what's even more is people need to realize when you open a browser and search for something in Google, Google is delivering you what they want you to see. And part of it is based on what they think you are looking for. In other words, it has nothing to do with you searching for this unknown thing that you think you might discover. It has everything to do with the people who control the search return. Now, taking this back to video and everyone's ability to film now, the real problem becomes is when an individual films something amazing, like a lunar wave. Let's use the lunar wave as an example. Right now, the word lunar wave, which is just a thing that I said one day, trying to figure out a way to describe what I had filmed, is pretty much a worldwide word or set of words. Um, all over this world, people are aware of the lunar wave. And yet when you go to my channel, I think the initial lunar wave footage, the best that we had, the 2012 or the first posting of that, has roughly 350 or 400,000 hits. How can that be? You see, these two things don't jive. These words have become so well known that people in Russia that don't even speak the language that I speak uh, are posting because I translate all the time in other language and they're talking about the lunar wave. So how can it be that this idea, this video has had such an impact over such a wide range and yet Google is reporting to me that I have something like 350,000 hits. I don't know, maybe it's four. Whatever it is, it's not much. And to put a fine point on that, um, I once filmed a weather balloon-like object that I believe was dropped from a chem plane that we were filming, and it exploded over houses, dropping all this debris out of it. Um, unfortunately, I named that clip at the time Chem Bomb, uh, which I learned later not to be so kind of you know, con confrontational in my naming of things. Wrong way to go. But that clip got very popular very quickly. And to this day, I think it has something like 300,000 hits. But when that clip had been out for, I forget what it was, a few weeks or a month or something, uh, I was notified via email by a person I'd never met who said, go to this web page and look at the hit count. And I went to the web page and that video was embedded properly so that YouTube should have been clocking traffic in that web page. It was the only thing and it was pushing a million hits. 
And to this day, I don't have any video on my channel that even comes close to a million hits. So that was kind of a long-winded answer, but it's an important thing to understand. What we see is information lines completely owned and operated, and this was predictive. They knew what the internet would be because the military had ARPANET. They rolled it out into the EDU, the universities. There was Veronica and Gopher early on as the search engines. Slowly, AOL came along and people started getting online. They already knew and were already preparing to put the Googles and the YouTubes in place. You've got to realize that we are told, if I remember the story correctly, the people who created YouTube were... Uh, eBay. I think it was eBay. I don't know if I've got that right. One of these big corporations, they were ex-eBay employees that then formed YouTube. And at the time, I think it was 2005 or six when Google supposedly bought YouTube, it was one of the largest buyouts of all time. It was in the billions of dollars with a B. You see, these things were pre-planned, foreshadowed. They were stepping up to fill the void, to control the information systems. And while the average person won't be able to wrap their head around it, it's true. And not only is it true, now when you shoot an amazing video and you head on over to your YouTube channel to try to get it out, I guarantee you, if your video is that important, there, something will be done to prevent a massive audience from seeing it. So that was a bit long-winded, but there it is. No, I think everything you said was very important, actually, because if, if I understand the way YouTube normally works, if you have a video that's what they call viral, meaning probably in the millions it's going to start showing up on people's front pages. Hey, check this out. This video is going viral. I really doubt very much they would want something like the lunar wave being all over everyone's main page on YouTube when they click onto it. Wouldn't you agree? No, I mean, it's even worse than that. Let's take the Brussels crap that just happened. The complete staged hoax, false Brussels terrorist attack. Completely staged. Nobody died. Nobody got hurt. It is a stage Hollywood play being filmed and presented as real news. Let's suppose that someone was lucky enough to be there with a good camera and filmed something there that just proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that these were crisis actors and this was being staged and filmed. And they ran back to try to get that video out. What do you suppose the odds are that they could? In my view, I would say very, very slim. And it's for a number of reasons. Um, the average person thinks, you know, people say it to me all the time. Well, you better be careful what you say or someone's going to come hurt you. Nobody's going to come hurt me. That's why we have 18-year-old kids in the military because they can be fooled into injuring someone on the direction of an old man who would never pull the trigger in a million years because he understands what cause and effect is. Some people call it karma. There is a price to pay when you do these things. Getting back to the point, this person goes to YouTube and he can't get an audience. For one reason or another, his audience won't grow, but he's got this amazing video. So let's say he goes different avenues. If it comes to a point in our current society, money is a big problem for most people. You'd simply be bought off if it came to that. We'll pay you, you know, a million dollars or whatever. Just give us the video and shut up. Um, these kinds of things will go on. But I can't stress enough that there is no reason to be afraid because the video that we were presented with from Brussels is fake, 100% fake. No one was injured. It's a Hollywood play. Secondarily, any person who wanted to out that shouldn't fear for their life because there is a price for taking life, any life. And when you start to kill human beings, there's a cause and effect. And again, that is exactly why 18-year-old kids are put in the military. Point being, you have the ability to exercise freedom of speech and you have the right to do it. And while you might be coerced to voluntarily say, okay, I'm not going to do this because whatever's happened and I don't like it, my point is there is absolutely no reason to be afraid to stand up against the stuff that is being jammed down our throats daily. So I know I wandered a bit there, but <laughs> pull me back. <laughs> it's okay. You know, I would conjecture that uh, just like with the Brussels thing, Ever since 9-11 happened, that was like obviously the biggest event of this style, you know, what people call a false flag. Since then, it's really been kind of hard for them to do anything 
major because because of exactly what we were talking about before with the with the whole cell phone internet generation that you know I can take a picture and boom I can send it out to a gazillion people if I wanted to. It seems like they've kind of figured that out so they have to do these smaller little events to kind of make sure it gets on the news and everything's terrible and blah 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 but they can't do something so grandiose because people would just literally tear it apart in this in this day and age. Well, I th- I think you've got to be you got to temper those words, my friend. I mean, we did see what happened at Sandy Hook and you know, that was a bit baffling because we were sitting there watching what was clearly wholesale fraud. Um, and we were saying, do they just not care anymore? Um, do they know that 5 million people will be fooled and, you know, 20,000 won't be? Is that why we're seeing such a kind of ramshackle, sloppy job? Boston, same way. I mean, so transparently, obviously staged. Um, and so we chewed on that, thinking, why is it going this way? And what I walked away understanding was that these guys can fail. They can fail big. And they have failed big. They failed big at Sandy Hook, as an example. But what you see is it's the old analogy that I've used before of kicking a puppy. If you kick a puppy, people are going to get pissed off. They're going to have a reaction. And when you get people in a heightened state of mind, uh, excitable, they're very easily led, controlled, and herded. Now, when you kick a puppy and it doesn't work anymore, you get five or six puppies. And then you don't kick them, you hit them with a bat. And then when that quits working, you get 20 puppies and you light them on fire. And when that doesn't work, you get a stadium full of puppies and you drop a bomb on it. And I know these are kind of ridiculous examples I'm giving, but it illustrates what we see. With 9-11, they went in and they did a controlled demo of two buildings in the middle of a city and then played it off on people who had nothing to do with it, defamed a race in Islam, the entire race in Islam, as being these subhuman terrorist-like beings Um, and convinced many people around the world that that was true. And then they invaded a nation that had nothing to do with it. And yet so few stood up at the time. What we actually saw at the time was all of a sudden overnight, everyone dusted off their American flag and put it back out on their porch. It's an embarrassing, (laughs) embarrassing thing to look back on. The kind of jingoism and this kind of mindless herd mob mentality where One day you're walking down the street and the next day everything is red, white, and blue because two buildings fell down in the middle of a city. It's an embarrassment. It it, it makes me, at times when I look back, embarrassed to say the words American, to be completely honest. And while many will have a problem with that statement, I make no apologies anymore. It's late in the game here. The hour is late. And we know for a fact that these events, these shootings, these terrorist attacks, anything to do with ISIS is all made up so that they can put their controlling agenda in place. So the question becomes, will you be a person who sits there and pulls a flag out of your closet or doesn't pull the flag out and cracks a beer and sits there and watches it all happen? Or will you be a person who speaks up? Because Revolution is not what's needed to stop what we see going on. What's needed is one simple thing, a change of mind. That is all it takes. Everything you see being put in front of you is to do one thing, to create a mind weapon that affects the way you think and what you believe. This is why I say belief is the enemy of knowing. Because the moment you believe a thing, you can no longer critically see detail. And for some people, it is very difficult to unbelieve things they've chosen to believe. My point is this. If you would like to see change made and you would like to see false flags be fought against so that we don't see them all the time, you need to change your mind. And not only do you need to change your mind, a lot of people around you need to change their minds. What is going on today in this world, actually has been going on for decades that we can see, is a house of cards is being built and it's being executed with mind weapons. People are being convinced all over this world that false things are true. When you come to understand that false things are false and you change your mind, that house of cards is going to tumble. I agree with that. Totally. 
Uh, as an aside of that, do you have an opinion on what actually did happen on 9-11? Like how, more to the point, how it was done. I think most of us in the awake kind of community, we know that it was an inside job of some sort. But there are various theories on how it was pulled off. Do you, do you have an opinion on 9-11? I think it's pretty obvious. They did a controlled demolition. Um, I mean, you can look at Building 7 and actually see the controlled demolition going on. It seems like they used some kind of projection system to make it look like planes hit what was going to be controlled demolition. There's plenty of evidence to show that the free fall and the dustification of all that building was some kind of energy weapon or high explosive or who knows, but a controlled demolition. There's plenty of evidence showing that the occupancy in that building, in those, both those buildings, was below 20%, I think. There's plenty of evidence to show that they were built actually with the planned demolition in mind some 30-some years later or whatever it was. Um, and then the rest of it's a Hollywood play. You look at the people being interviewed, the cowboy, the Harley guy, the the black guy, the, you know, this is Hollywood skits. These are crisis actors. Um, and what they do is the same thing that the news did that day. They present a filmed portion of a set that they have pre-set up and then they play it off as real. And there's even footage that day of people in the media. I think it was British media reporting that Building 7 had fallen when in fact it hadn't fallen at all yet. And so about 20 minutes ahead of time. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no doubt what happened. There was a controlled demolition done, and then they put a Hollywood set in place for different interviews, and then they played it off as a real event. How do you think society itself is, uh, in Western culture has changed? For instance, how do you think this 9-11 style event had, would have gone down, say, if it had been done in the 50s or 60s, say, if they had used the Empire State Building instead because the uh, Twin Towers weren't in existence yet. How do you think people would have reacted then compared to the way they are now? Well, I think it was a much sleepier audience then. I mean, the most trusted man in America was Walter Cronkite, for crying out loud. So the most trusted man in America was a news anchor lying to you every night, um, sitting there pretending to cry when JFK was shot, which was more Hollywood propaganda being stuffed down your throat. There is no presidency or no leadership as far back as we can see clearly that is not part and parcel of what we're talking about. And it looks like many of them are related to the very royal families and controlling systems that have always ran things from Europe. Um, my point would be that in the 50s, well, look at it this way. If you go back to the 50s, people were watching Leave it to Beaver on TV. If you took any show that is running in primetime now and ran it to those people back then, they would be stunned and screaming from the hilltops about what we are watching now and thinking this is just fine to watch. Um, they were a very sleepy audience by, com by comparing us to today. And not only that, they didn't have the benefit of being able to review things in the way we have today. So I think if it had been done back in the 50s, it would have been just earth shattering and everyone would have believed it was a real event and whatever the powers that be wanted to implement on the tail of that would have made the Patriot Act look like a day at the park. Any conjecture why they didn't do something like that back then compared to now? They didn't need to, but, I mean, we did have world wars. Um, there's nothing you can't look at in history that is not subject to what we are talking about. Nothing. Um, we live in a system of control, and we always have. And while we don't know, you know, it's a funny thing to wake up one morning and consider. You have no idea as a human being how the race of humans got to this world. You have no long idea how long we've been here. And when you consider what that actually means, you begin to consider further, is it possible that there is no living human being on this world that doesn't know how humans came to be here or how long they have been there? The conclusion I drew was I think it's quite likely that there are people, the very people who have always had all the power, money, and control who understand perfectly how we got here and how long we've been here. So that kind of illustrates what we're talking about here. While the, the vast majority of us are living in this dream state where the very race we belong to is a mystery, and yet we just walk through a day like that doesn't matter. Um, 
it's a strange thing. Don't know how else to go with that. No, I'm with you there too. Uh, you mentioned Walter Cronkite, who was a absolutely the way you put it. It's actually kind of funny. People just he was in their homes every night, and he was trusted every word he said. Uh, I can attest to that from my grandparents. I remember yeah. when I was a child. Uh, do you think anyone in the mainstream is trying to do a, a legitimate job on, on uncovering anything, really, like anything that they're putting out there? Do you think there's anybody in the mainstream media or uh, who's just well-known in general, uh, celebrities? Do you think all every single one of these people, they're just playing the game and, and even if they do know or suspect things, they're they're just not going there? Uh, it's a loaded question. If you're asking about media like TV and news, no, nobody that I'm aware of because you can't. It's a controlled gate. You want to walk through that gate, you play by the rules. You don't play by the rules, you don't walk through that gate. Pretty simple. Who owns the gate? Well, the richest people on this world own that gate and always have. And now at this point, it's like one or two corporations own, I guess, the majority of the media. There was a time when people were narrowing it down to five or six. Um, I haven't really kept up on it, but it's very few corporations who own all the gateways that we call media. Now, when you consider music, that's a similar thing, controlled in the same ways, but you have young people delivering it. Um, but, I mean, come on. When we see these encoded messages coming through the music, what are we seeing? Are we seeing these messages given to us talking about the nature of what's really going on because someone is trying to help us for a long time. I thought about this for years. I thought about this. Are we seeing something else? Why are they doing it? Why does it say space may be the final frontier, but it was made in a Hollywood basement and in a chili pepper <laughs> song. Why did they do that? Was it to inform us of something? And I have come to the conclusion that no, it's not that at all. It is it's like this. They put the information out in a way that you have been trained not to recognize your entire life because it's not gross. It's subtle and it can be played off as a joke or as just music or in any number of ways to diminish the words that are being said. The reason they're doing it is because if they ever get caught or even if they don't, they can always say, we tried to show those stupid monkeys, you and I, the majority of us, but they were too dumb to understand. And this also plays into cause and effect and probably relates directly to Talmudic law because so much of this relates back to a family of people who have a tie to ancient Jewishness. And what we find in Talmudic law is it's stated openly that anyone who's not a Jew can be lied to, cheated, uh, any number of things. It says flat out that a Jewish person can treat a goy or goyim in these ways. It's astounding that more people don't take umbrage with what the Talmudic law says about the majority of this world who is not Jewish. But I had a friend who he had explained to me, uh, I don't understand it all the way, but apparently in Jewishness, there's two major families left, Cohen and Levite or something like this, the two major sects left. And the Levites, I guess, are have a little more clout or something to that effect. And I hope I'm not butchering this too badly. Uh, if Jewish people are listening, I apologize if I don't get this 100% right. But he was in the Levite side of things. And he was explaining to me, uh, with using an allegory, a part of Talmudic law, which plays into the kind of cause and effect or like karma almost that we're talking about here. Um, he used the story of a man dies. And when the judges and the court come to hold a guy that they say may have been responsible for the death, he's a Jewish guy and the court is Jewish. And they say, you know, are you guilty of killing this man? And he said, no, I'm not. Um, and they say, why? And the man says, well, you see, he starved to death. All I did was tie him up. And the man is released because apparently that allegory, when related to some portion of Talmudic law, demonstrates the kind of loopholes that are put into what is followed in the Talmudic law tradition to avoid karmic or cause and effect or court reaction where you could be jailed. So, you know, there it is. Are these people saying these things in music, which are absolutely addressing the truth, to help us? I don't think so. I've come to the conclusion that I don't think so. I think that they just view you as 
less than them, not as bright as them, and that they tried to tell you and it's your own damn fault you couldn't understand. Now that also uh, seems to go hand in hand with the purportedly religion of the elites known as Mystery Babylon, um, which also links into the ancient Saturnalian death cults and all that, where they feel they uh, have to tell us what's going on in their own way to deal with that karma, uh, basically like, hey, we told you, you just didn't understand. You just, you were too dumb to get it. Yeah. Um, it, it, there's no way it's, it's something other than that in my view. I mean, if you wanted to tell somebody something, you would tell them. And if you couldn't do it in a public way, if you were writing a song that was going to be on a record or something, then you would tell the people around you. You would tell your family. You would do things like this. It would get out eventually. And this is not what we see. Um, we see this kind of blood is thicker than water mentality where all the cards are held very close to the vest. Um, hard to know how they're enforcing the secrecy. And one of the big arguments by the people who simply don't get this planet we're living planet's not even a word to use anymore, this world we're living on, um, it's simple. Um, there can be secrets kept and they can be enforced. And it could be as simple as denying someone a way to make a living. You know, either you play by these rules or you'll be living in a cardboard box wondering where your next meal comes from. Or it could be something as insidious as um, it won't be you. It'll be the people you love that are living in that cardboard box. So, yeah, um, there's no way of getting around the fact that in media, in music, in so many mediums that we are exposed to, the literal truth is being addressed, but the vast majority of us don't get it. And for my money, that truth is not being addressed to help you. I agree. Now, we discussed the mainstream media as a result of all the, the craziness that has gone on for the past 20 years, mostly since 9-11 is what really made it spring up, although there was the John Birch Society and similar such things uh, earlier on. There's this, whatever you want to call it, truth movement, awakening movement. And there's a lot of uh, key players in this now. There's people out who put themselves out there saying that, you know, we're, we're the alternative media. What do you think about what what this phenomenon is? What do you think about it? What do you think about the, the people in it, especially some of the bigger uh, players in it? I have one thing to say, which is critically important about that. The minute you are put in a group, in this case, the group is being called alternative media. You are being set up for failure. Groups can be controlled. Groups can be infiltrated. False messaging can be assigned to groups. All number, all manner of things can be done to groups to ensure beyond the reasonable shadow of doubt that the mission they set out to achieve will not be achieved. So having said that, in my view, the people that are going to make the biggest difference in this kind of age of deception we find ourselves in are individuals who belong to nothing, who follow no rules in their research, who don't have a scientific method or any other damn method. They're simply applying the, the abilities they can come and bring to bear and then presenting what they have learned or think they have found freely out to the populace. Now, when you go at it this way, you've decentralized that group so now if someone wants to screw with what's being uncovered, it's a bit like a hydra. You know, you got to go hit a thousand heads or a hundred thousand heads. Whereas if you're just another member of the alternative media, it's just a group that needs to be defamed for the most part. And not only that, it's a bit like the flat earth. You know, what do you see in the flat earth? You see so much divisiveness and infighting mm -hmm. and craziness and kind of rabid people you know, demanding that, you know, what they are saying is the only possible true version of what's going on. But what's more is you see that it's been around for 100 or 200 years, clearly put in place to undermine the people that would join such a group to try to further what we know about this world that we find ourselves on. So the shorter answer is, what I think about the idea of alternative media is it's a trap. Run from it. Don't join it. Don't say it. Don't do it. Be an individual. Use your given abilities to challenge what you can and then present it out to the community. 
Okay, so there is roughly the first hour. Uh, there is, I think, about another hour and a half, which will be running on crow777radio.com for members. I hope you guys will join me there. Um, in the remaining episode, we cover a lot of ground, so much ground. The whole intention is to try to draw a much larger image for people uh, of basically the deception that we find ourselves in. So many people look at the minutiae where they're looking at this event or that false flag or the lunar wave. And what I've tried to do here is tie it all together to demonstrate um, that everything is interrelated, that the age of deception that we find ourselves in is part and parcel of all the minutiae that we look at each day. So uh, I guess that'll close out episode three. And again, this was swapped out. It was going to be episode four. Episode four will be Randy in Houston. So there it is. Please join me over at crow777radio.com. Cheers. Cheers.